How you guys doing this morning? All right, good. That was better than first service, all right? Usually you guys are the, I don't know why, the less awake service, even though they were here an hour and a half before you, but whatever. All right, so good job. All right, um, hey, uh, we, this morning we're going to be continuing on our, in our series called Phantom Faith, and the question that we've been looking at, um, this question that we're going to be looking at for this kind of a three-week series right in the middle uh, today is, how do we know our faith is real? Like, how do you know? There's a question that every single one of us in this room uh, should ask ourselves once in a while. I think it's good for us to kind of question ourselves. How do we know that our faith is real? Now, we've all, um, we've all experienced things that maybe we've bought or we've purchased or we've tried out, uh, things that we thought were real but aren't, like generic brands. You guys ever, you get, some of you guys are like generic brand people, you know what I mean? Like, you never buy the real thing um, because, because, you know, you're cheap, all right, let's be honest. Um, I'm like that too, I guess. Uh, but uh, you ever try like uh, the generic brand of Oreos? Like at Walmart, the old twist and shouts, all right? I don't like those, all right? They're not as good. All right, I'll just be plain with you. Um, I, uh, the, uh, not just Oreos, you ever gone down the cereal aisle, right? For every like type of cereal, there's like four generic brands of those that are like all competing with each other for second place and they all taste the same because they're all not as good as the real deal. Sometimes Kate will, uh, she'll, she'll bring home a box of generic cereal because she'll go to like Aldi or something like that, right? And she'll bring that home and, uh, and I'll like be digging in. I'm like, what? This isn't Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Kate, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, what the heck? We feed this to the kids, not me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I still eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch once in a while. All right, still got some, still got some kid left in me. Uh, this past week, I was at Walmart. I, I wear contacts, and uh, I've been trying this, like, new stuff. It's like this new contact solution. Any of you guys got contacts? Maybe some of you guys know what this is. This is new to me. I don't know how long it's been around. But uh, it was this stuff. It's like this solution that, you know, you clean your contacts at, at night. Sometimes I hardly ever do. I just sleep in them and don't worry about it. I lose my sight early, but that's okay. I'm living it up now. Um, but, uh, but it's this thing, it's like this container, you, you put the solution in it, you pull this thing out, and then you take your contacts out and you like lock them in with like these, like, the, like a cage, you clamp them shut, your contacts, and then you plunge it into this, into this stuff. All right, it's only this big, I'm trying to make it more dramatic than it actually is. But you have to wait six hours for it to clean your contacts because it has to neutralize. All right, you know it's powerful stuff when it, has, when it takes hours and hours for it to neutralize. And uh, if you were to take your contacts out within that six hours and put it in your eye, the doctor told me it would like burn your eyes out or something like that. It was like really bad for you. So he's like, you, got, you can't do that. And so um, I go to Walmart. I need some more of this stuff. I go to the shelf and I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is the name brand stuff that I always buy. And then I look to the left of it and you got the Walmart brand. You got some Equate. You know what I'm talking about? Gotta love Equate. And uh, not only is the bottle bigger, but the bottle's also cheaper. And so I'm like, well, I'm getting this stuff. So I grab it, and, and uh, one of the nights this week, one night this week, I decided to take my contacts out, you know, do, take care of my eyes, like the doctor tells me I should do more often. And, um, and I, I put them in the thing, you know, I clamp them shut, and I, I plunge it into the, into the stuff, and I wait the six hours. Actually, I wait like 10 hours, because I just do it all night. And, um, and in the morning, I go in, and I start, and I put my contacts in. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're good. I walk out. And then all of a sudden, my eyes just start, like burning, like are on fire. 
And so and like it was like so bad. And my eyes were like pouring out water, like tears are everywhere. I got and I'm not crying. All right, that's not what I'm doing. I can't my body's just doing this on its own. And and like my my reflex is like my, my eyelid is like clamped shut. So I'm like trying to pry my eye open so I can get my fingers in there so I can pull out my contacts. And I'm, but it's all wet and slippery, and I'm like trying to my I, you know, my eyelid's not cooperating. And then all of a sudden it's like gone. And I'm all like, oh, whoa, I can see. All right, you know. Generic brand stuff, you know what I mean? That's not how it's supposed to be, all right? That's, that's not how it's supposed to work. See, sometimes you can, you, it looks real, right? And you could try it, and you, but you put it to the test or you, you use it to do whatever it's supposed to do, and you find out it's not the real deal or it's not as good, all right? That's really the same thing with our faith. There's too many people that I talk to, you know, I talk to people all the time that they think they're right with God, and they would say, you know, if I were to ask maybe even everybody in this room, all right, hey, you, you know, you got faith? They would say, yeah, yeah, I got faith. Yeah, me and God, I like God. Yeah, me, we're, I'm good with God. I like God. I like the idea of God. And then it's like you dig a little bit deeper with some other questions, and, and you dig deep, and it's like, oh, no, you don't have faith. Your faith's not real. What you have is you have phantom faith, right? You have this fake Faith. You think you've like tricked yourself into thinking that you actually have faith, but you actually don't. You don't have a real relationship with God. And this is actually one of the reasons why a guy named John wrote a letter to a church um, 2,000 years ago that actually we call First John. And John is saying, he's saying basically in this letter, he's saying, hey, you can know if you have real faith. Like you can know it. All right, you got to put it to the test. You can actually test your faith. You can find out if it's real. And so for the next couple of weeks in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at this book uh, first, or at this letter, 1 John, and, uh, and we're going to be looking at some tests that John gives us to test to see how we can know if our faith is real. All right, so 1 John, as I was going through it, you know, this past week, I realized that it's a lot more complicated than I actually thought. All right, John, he's like going all over the place. He's, he's sprinkling in things here and there. So it's like taking me, you know, overtime on, uh, on studying this stuff, trying to figure out exactly what he's trying to say. Because it is an ancient language that was, you know, written 2,000 years ago and, and that type of thing. So it's a little complicated. Are you ready? Okay. First service was better, but uh, all right. Um, so here we go. First John chapter 1, verse 1. He's going to start off by telling us some things, but the whole gist of it is we're going to be looking at some tests the way we can see if we have real faith. And this is what he says. He says, what was from the beginning, he says, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes and what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Let's skip to verse 3. He says, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship, we'll get into that word in a second, with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, a little confusing. And basically what John's saying is this. He's saying, hey, man, I got to see him. Like, I got to be with him. I got to, got to spend time with Jesus. I got to see him. I got to touch him. I got to hear him. And what John is doing is he's starting off writing this letter. And John, this is, John's at the end of his life, okay? He doesn't have much time left. He's an old, old man. He's actually, um, the Roman government has actually exiled him to the island of Patmos. And, uh, and he's the last disciple left, okay? All the other disciples, they've all been killed and, and really murdered 
put to death. They've all, you know, they're, they're all gone. Nero, the, em- the new emperor who's just come to power, he has already killed Peter and he's killed Paul. And, uh, and everybody else is, else is gone. He's the last man left and he's old, you know, and he, this is, you know, really late in his life. And it is, he's writing this, he's going, you know what? Man, I got to be with, jo- I got to be with Jesus. I got to see him. I got to be with him. I got to touch him. And he's probably, what he's doing is, as he's writing this, probably all these memories are just flooding back in. Or we know when he, when he wrote the book of John or his account of, of Jesus' life, he writes that, uh, that there's so many stories that Jesus did so much that they can't even be contained in all the books of the world. He's like, there's just so much stuff, so many memories that I can't write them all down. And I bet as he's writing this letter, one of his last, um, one of his last letters, it's probably just memories are just flooding his mind. And he's, and he's thinking to himself, and this is what he's writing. He's saying, you know what? What was from the beginning? He's like that being God, he's talking about, from all the way from before time, like that was there at the beginning and was be- the beginning. He started the beginning and was there before that. He's like that being came here and he's like, and I got the privilege, I got to see him with my own eyes and I got to touch him with my own hands and I got to, and I heard him with my own ears and because of that, I get to have fellowship because of my faith in him and part of that was because I got to see, you know, I got to, to witness all this stuff. He's like, he's like, I get to have fellowship with him. I got, to, I got to be with him. Now, the word for fellowship, if, you know, because that's kind of a churchy word, I feel like. Um, it's, uh, the Greek word is actually this word called koinonia. Maybe you've been in church for, I don't know, any amount of time, you know, or for a long time. Maybe you've heard that word uh, before. But, uh, but koinonia, it, it, the Greek word, it means more than just like, hey, yeah, we got, we got a relationship. I know this person. All right? It's not just knowing about somebody. All right, it's actually getting to know somebody. And it actually has um, a sense of like action involved in, the, in this word, okay? There's not really an English word that fits it perfectly. Fellowship's the, the closest one. And so what John is trying to say is he's saying, I get to have community. I get to have a relationship. I get to do life with my creator that was here all the way at the beginning, way before I even existed. It's like an attitude and an action kind of put together. And he's saying, so I'm telling you what he said. I heard all that he said. I was there for it. I was an eyewitness. I got to hear it. I got to see it. I got to see everything that he did. And he's like, so, and he's told me this message. He, he told me, you know, I, I witnessed all this stuff. So he's like, and because I have this faith, I get to have a relationship with him. And now I'm going to tell you so that you can have a relationship, not just with me, but also with him which is the most important thing. He goes on in verse five. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him. And we declare to you, okay, this is what I've heard. Now I'm telling it to you. He, and, and my guess is that he's, he's writing this and he's just trying to describe God. He's just like, okay, God, like how do I even become? He's like, God is light, I don't know how else to describe it. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. He's just, he's just trying to, you know, he's just trying to think about it. And, and, and probably what most scholars think is as he's beginning to write this letter and kind of throughout this letter, that he's got an event, he's got a memory in the back of his mind that is kind of dictating um, why he's saying some of, this, some of this stuff. And it's a story that we've all, that, uh, you know, if, again, you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard called the Transfiguration. And we see this, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke actually tell us 
about this event that took place years and years and years. This is old John writing this, but he's thinking about an event that young John witnessed when he was with Jesus, when he was like in his 20s. And it's in Matthew chapter 17. Ironically, John in his uh, gospel or his account of Jesus's life, he doesn't mention this, but, uh, but he was still there. He says, after six days, this is Matthew chapter 17. He says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John. Okay, this is the John who's writing the letter. We get that. All right, and he said, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured in front of them. Now, what the heck does that mean? He says this: his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Again, the author Peter or Matthew, he's just like, I don't know. They just said his because he wasn't there. He's like, they just said that his clothes just was like not white as snow, like whiter than that. White is like light. All right, he says suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them. And we're talking with him. All right, so like, can you picture this for a second? Just try to, just try to picture uh, this event or this thing that, that happened. All right, uh, just think about it. So Jesus, all right, and Jesus did things completely different than how I would do things, which is why he's God, I guess. And, uh, and so he, he's with his disciples. He's doing his thing. And he actually calls up. He's like, hey, Peter, James, John, why don't you guys come with me? We're going to go on a little walk. Now, don't Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't tell them. What's going to happen? He doesn't say, hey, why don't you guys come with me and I'll show you like a little glimpse of my glory. It's going to be sweet. He doesn't do that. He's just like, hey, let's just go on a walk up a mountain. Like, I don't know about you, but that's not necessarily the thing that I would want to do. I'm going to, I don't want to walk up that mountain for no reason, you know. Um, but they do that. And so, so they go and, and they're, they're with Jesus. And, you know, this sounds weird, but Jesus is always asking us, asking us to do kind of weird stuff. And, and they get up there and the Bible says that his, you know, his face just starts glowing. And they're probably like a little confused, like, whoa, are you okay? You know, are you feeling all right, Jesus? What's going on? And then his face gets so, it's so bright that, that he's describing it as, it's as bright as the sun. You ever try to look at the sun? All right? It's not good for you. All right? It, uh, it's too bright. You can't just like look at it straight on. And so they're like, whoa, Jesus, you're too, too bright for us. You know, and then they say this clothes, they turn in, they, like, this is bright as light. And they can't see Jesus, and, and everything's too bright. Everything's lit up around them. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear, you know, just poof. And they're, like, talking with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you know, what's going on? What's their problem? You know, I don't know and what they're talking about. The Bible doesn't tell us. And so they're up there. And so Peter, he doesn't know what he's talking about, because, but he has to say something because that's what, just what this kind of guy Peter was. All right, we all know a guy like that. And, uh, and Peter, uh, Mark tells us that he just, he's like, hey, I got, hey, this is what we'll do. We'll build you like a shelter. We'll build you guys three shelters for all of you guys to sleep in tonight. And Mark says, he's just talking. He has no idea what he's talking about. All right, he's not thinking through his words because that's, you know, a stupid idea. All right, I'm going to build Jesus a little stick for it here and uh, Moses who's been dead for 2,000 years. I'm going to build him, you know. And, and so, and, uh, you know, all this is happening. And then as Jesus, or as Peter is still talking, as he's coming up, you know, he's like, we'll do this for you. I don't, you know, Elijah, what's up? You know, and, and this, this white cloud appears around him. It says this, well, while he was still speaking, Peter, suddenly a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, with who I am so well pleased. And he's talking to Peter, James, and John, and he says, listen to him, Jesus. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. See, John, he's one of these guys. 
Like he's an eyewitness. He was there. He was one of these guys that fell down on his face and terrified. He watched this all happen. He heard God's voice. And so John, he, he's just like, I don't really know how to describe God. Like, I don't know what the best way to do that is. All I know is that he is like light. And there is no darkness in him. Actually, the Bible tells us that God dwells in unapproachable light. In fact, when Jesus came down to earth, all right, he had to veil himself, the Bible tells us, or he had to empty himself of his glory because we can't live with a being like that. Like, like if we were to see God in all of his glory, the Bible tells us we can't survive it. Right? God dwells in light that's so powerful that if you were to look at it, I'm not saying touch it, I'm not saying be in the vicinity, I'm saying if you were to look at it even from a far distance, the Bible says you'd you die. I can't say I understand everything about how everything works. You know, all I know is that God is different from us. It is a big, big difference. And he dwells in unapproachable light that we can't handle. And John got to see just a tiny glimpse of God's glory And when he saw this tiny glimpse of God's glory, he falls face down, terrified. And so John's like, God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. Like, I've seen, like, a glimpse. There's no darkness in him at all. Next verse, in in verse 6, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, it's that word koinonia again, right? He's saying if we have community with God, and yet we walk in darkness, he's like, we are lying. And we're not practicing the truth. And if we walk on the flip side, but if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, because that's what God is, he is light. He says, we have fellowship with one another. And on on top of that, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from our sin. Right, John's like, look, God is light. There's no darkness in him. Not, not even, not even, you know, not even an ounce of it. And he's like, one way you can test your faith, or one way that you can know if you are a real Christian or not. He's saying you need to ask yourself, where do you walk? Like, how do you live your life? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the darkness? Because those are two, two really distinct, uh, different ways to live your life. Um, let's uh, actually let, let's try to. Make this, make this work. Let, let's let the light, yeah, take off the light over here. We'll make this side light up a bit, bit more. Let's say this. Let's say over here I'm walking in the dark. Okay, this is dark. It is dark over here. All right. All right. I can see people now. Hey, okay. Um, <laughs> he's saying this. John's saying, hey, if you are over here, you're walking in the darkness. All right. Well, first of all, what's that mean? All right, let me just define that because some of you guys are like, I don't know what that means, right? I don't know if I'm walking in the darkness or not. And that means you got sin in your life and you just don't care, okay? You got some things in your life that you know shouldn't be there. Maybe you, maybe you don't even recognize that they shouldn't be there, okay? Because that's true too uh, for a lot of us. Um, you got some sin in your life and it just doesn't bother you that much because you're like, eh, not that big of a deal. I don't, this doesn't really hurt anybody, you know? And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the sin, Right? What John is saying is, you're over here, what you are doing is you are actually walking in darkness. And if you're over here walking in darkness, and, and, and you're one of those people who says, no, I got, I got fellowship with God. 
Like, I got a community with God. Like, me and God, we got a, we got a relationship with, with each other. What John is saying, if you're walking over here and that's what you're saying, he's like, nah, you're a liar. That's not true. You can't be over here and walking with God. You know why? Because God's not in the darkness. God has no darkness in him. He's over here in the light. You can't have it both ways. He's saying, if you're over here and you say that you have a relationship with God, but you're cool with sin and sin just doesn't really, really bother you, he's like, no, 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 you're a liar and you're actually, you're one of those people, you have like the generic brand of faith. Might look real, because we're all really good at making ourselves look good. I mean, I mean, we all are. We're, we all want everybody around us, unless you're like a horrible, horrible, horrible person, which probably isn't anybody in here, hopefully, right? I mean, we want people to like us. Right? We want people to look up to us. We all desire to be like a good person. Right? You know, we, all, we all put on this front of, hey, I got my life put together, and I'm really nice, and I'm really good. And a lot of us, you know, that's, that's just how we think. But he's, like, but he's like, no, no, that's just generic fake. It's a front. That ain't real. But he's like, on the flip side, if you're over here, and you are in the light, and, you, and you're lit up, he's like, guess what? You get to have fellowship with us, meaning you get to have a relationship. You get to have community, like that family relationship with us, right, and all the other people that are within the light. And even more important to that, you get to have a relationship with God the Father who is here since the beginning, who dwells in unapproachable light. See, you get to have a relationship with him. Actually, John, in his gospel or his account of, of Jesus' life, he actually records Jesus talking about this. In John chapter 3, all right, right after John 3, 16, actually, um, he, he says this. This is what Jesus said. Like, these are Jesus' own words. He says, the light has come into the world. Right, he's talking about himself. He's referring to himself as the light. He says, I've come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light. Okay, we get that. Why? Because their deeds were evil. He says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it. Why do they avoid it? So that their deeds may not be exposed. See, Jesus is saying, hey, when the light came into the world, he's like, people ran from me, man. Right, people, they don't want anything to do with me. Why? Because people love the darkness. Because we love, the, every single one of us, we are naturally drawn to the darkness. This is what we like because we, you know, because we love sin. We are comfortable here. Right? It feels good to be in the darkness. We think to ourselves, we're like, you know, wow, this is nice. This is not that big of a deal. You know, all these things in our life that shouldn't be here. You know, it's just not that bad. You know, I don't want all the things that I've done out in the open. I don't want everybody to know. I want this, you know, I want this good reputation. And, and let's be honest with ourselves. This is what we think. We're like, it doesn't really hurt anybody. It's not that big of a deal. Now, that's what Jesus is describing. He's saying these people, they avoid the light because stepping into the light exposes the evil and they don't want that exposed. They don't want to feel convicted. They don't want to know about it. They just want to ignore the, really the whole, the whole process. I remember growing up, um, my, my dad used to do this and I hated it. All right, I still, I'm just like, Ugh. all right, I need to, I need to, the light's exposing that right now. I'm like, I need shouldn't hold a grudge against it. But, uh, but one thing my dad used to do is once in a while he would, he would wake us up, like if we had to get up early or something in the morning, like uh, um, us kids, 
or me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, to be honest. But, uh, but you know what he would do? Like, you would think, he's a pastor, right? He's supposed to be a good guy, right? He's supposed to be a good dad. And it'd be like this. You would think a guy like him would come up to his son who's sleeping there, you know, teenage son, and just be like, hey, my beloved son, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, it's time to wake up. I'm sorry to do this to you, but hope you have a good day. You know, it's time to wake up. That's not what he did. You know what he would do? This really ticked me off, man. He would walk in, he would flip the light on, and leave. And as a kid, you're just like, ah, stop, turn it off. Dad, come back, turn it off. You know, it's just like, it's just so bright. And it's just like, man, this is, this is horrible, right? Because when you're used to the darkness, we've all experienced stuff like that. You're used to the darkness, right? It's like the, you don't want anything to do with the light, all right? It's not comfortable. It's a huge change. It's bright. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes it takes a while for us to get used to the light, right? We all understand, right? Okay, okay, I'm like, am I the only one? Or maybe my pupils don't dilate. Maybe it's the other way, I don't know, um, as much as they should. But, uh, but uh, that, that's, that's what Jesus is trying to say. Right? It's like sometimes, right, it, it's like the light can be so uncomfortable at times. Actually, he's saying the people in the, in, in the darkness, this is why we like the darkness, because there's a lot of sin that we hold on to, things that aren't even necessarily like the first things that we think about when we think of sin. You know, when we think about sin, we're like, we go through the Ten Commandments, like, well, lying, sin, and stealing, and murder, you know, all this stuff that we think is, is like wrong. But there's a lot of things that's wrong. The Bible says that really there's anything that we put before God is sin in our life. And I think every single one of us struggle with this all the time. So for, for some of us, it's like work, right? All right, briefcase. I don't know anybody who takes a briefcase into work anymore, but uh, maybe some of you guys are cool like that. But, uh, but let's say, you know, a lot of it's just work. All right, sometimes we got all this bad stuff happening in our life, and, and what do we do? It's like we run to work, or maybe we've just lived our life a certain way for, for a certain amount of time, and, uh, and it's just like, what do we focus on in life? It's all work, 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 work. And to us, it's like, you know what? I will get right with God, all right? When I retire and I don't have to worry about this work thing anymore. Right? Or we're always trying to advance to the next level. We're always trying to get better. We're always trying to improve our resume or whatever it might be. And so we hold on to this thing and we actually put it before God in our life. So the Bible says, man, that's sin. Right? That's not good. That's a, that's a problem. Maybe it's not work. All right? Maybe it's a different type of work. Okay, maybe it's like uh, health, right? I got this eight-pound dumbbell um, out of AJ's office. I think this is what he uses to, uh, to work out, I'm pretty sure. All right, right, Marissa? She doesn't want to commit. She shook her head, yes, okay. So, uh, but, uh, but maybe it's just health. I know uh, some, sometimes, like, having good health is not wrong, okay? I think all of us would agree with that. But when we put the gym or we put working out or we put running or whatever it might be in our life, and we put that above God, the Bible says, man, that's sin. All right, that's not right. All right, maybe it's this. Maybe it's sports, right? Man, I love sports. I love to watch sports. Used to love to play them, <laughs> you know. Um, <clears throat> but maybe it's sports. Maybe it's not just watching sports. I think there's a lot of things. Maybe it's coaching. Uh, maybe you're a coach for, for your kid or whatever. Um, but a lot, what I've seen a lot, especially within our culture that has changed since I was in high school, is, uh, is, you know, is, is our kids' sports, right? And that 
really are, are the sports that our kids are in because it's like they got to be in this and they got to be in this and they got to be in this because someday they're going to be, you know, in the NFL playing or some, you know, it's like that type of thing. Like for some reason that's our, that's our mentality or they're going to get a huge scholarship and go to a D1 school and it's going to be awesome. But maybe, maybe it's sports. And, and, and really your kid's sports schedule runs the schedule of your family, right? It like runs your life. I see this happening all the time. And what we're actually doing is we are putting sports above God. Right? Or we're teaching our kids to put sports above God. We're saying, yeah, yeah, that's the most important thing. Oh, yeah, and then church. And then God. All right, maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just simply, let's say this, maybe it's just our phone, right? I mean, how much time do we put on our phone or, our, or, or, or we're on our computer or whatever it might be? Like maybe it's just like, you know, social media, we're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. We, you know, put our little, you know, political thing like, ah, I got you guys really good. Yeah. You know, we got that. And, and then we read all the comments. You know, it's like that type of thing. And maybe we're just like addicted to social media. I see this all the time. And it's taking the place of God. We'll spend three hours on our phone every day. We spend two minutes praying to God or two minutes reading, reading his word. It becomes the number one thing. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something that's clearly said. Maybe we're looking at pictures, we're watching videos on our phone or on our computer that are clearly wrong. You know, we put it before God. Or maybe, maybe it's this, maybe, maybe it's, you know, we live along, or we, have, we work a long day and everything seems to go right. And, uh, and it's just like we just need to relieve some stress. And so, and so we, just, you know, we just go to drinking. Right? And I'm not saying that alcohol is necessarily wrong, although the Bible says that we drink too much, it is. Um, but, uh, but what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of times instead of, you know, that's the thing that we run to. See, instead of going to God, it's like we go to the drink. That's not good. And so what Jesus is saying in this passage, he's saying, hey, this is where we like to hang out, right? We love the darkness. This is where we all naturally like, you know, like to be. And he's like, and so we come over here to the lightness, to the light, just to like check it out. And it's like all of a sudden all these things are exposed. And you're like, oh, okay, man, I didn't know that, you know, I, yeah, I, I probably, maybe I drink too much. And you know, maybe I got a problem with, with that. And it's like, you know, we start looking at this stuff and it's like, oh, you know, maybe I do put sports in front of God. And maybe that is a bigger deal in my life than it really needs to be, or yeah, maybe I do spend too much time on my phone, or maybe I do, you know, I got those things that I shouldn't be watching that I'm just like kind of addicted to, and I just got to stop, or you know, it's like we're like, oh, I didn't realize that that was such a big deal, or I didn't realize that was bringing me down so much in my life. But Jesus is saying the sad part is that a lot of people, they pick these things back up, right? And instead of staying in the light, they run back over to the darkness because then those things aren't exposed. Then they don't have to think about it. They don't have to be confronted by it. They don't have to care about it. They don't got to think about it. They could just ignore it and kind of live their life being a, you know, a pretty good person in their eyes. See, Jesus is saying the light exposes those things that we are holding on to. I don't know, maybe you're thinking, because this is what I was thinking at first, I'm like, I'm like okay, so what's, what's John trying to say here? Is he saying that everybody in the light, they don't struggle with sin, right? Like, how could anybody be in the light if that's the case? How could anybody have a real relationship with God if they don't struggle with sin? Like, if that's the test, like, I sin, I got, I got problems, you know, how, how is that even possible, 
right? He actually answers this in verse eight, back to first John, back to old John. He says, hey, if we say we have no sin, he's like, we're deceiving ourselves. And he's like, of course we have sin, right? And he says, the truth is not in us. He's like, yeah, if we, if any of us think, which I don't, there's probably nobody in this room um, that thinks this, but he's like, if anybody thinks that they're, they're perfect, that they don't sin ever, he's like, man, that's, you're a liar, you're just deceiving yourself. He's saying the difference between those in darkness and those in the light, or those in darkness are holding on to sin, and those in light, who, who, those people in the light who still sin, he says this is the difference in the next verse. He says, if we confess, he said the difference is those people confess their sins. See, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's saying the difference between those walking in the light and those walking in the darkness, he's saying those in the light, they recognize their sin, they recognize it, right? And they confess it to God, like they admit it to God. These people who are in the light, they totally know that they are totally at God's mercy, all right? They know that there is absolutely nothing that they could do to earn their, um, their salvation. There's nothing they could do to earn their way to heaven. There's nothing, no amount of good that they could do that God will ever look down on them and go, wow, man, you're just, you know, man, you're a righteous person. You know, there's nothing, that will never happen. They know that. Right, that's, that's the difference. He's saying the people in the light, they recognize their sin and they confess it to God, not, by the way, to a priest and not to some dead saint, they confess it to God. Why? Because they have a real relationship with God. And God promises to remove the sin from them. And so in essence, when God looks at the people who are standing here in the light, he's saying God doesn't even see their sin because God's taken it away because he's paid for it when he died on the cross. Actually, the Bible tells us that he removes their sin as far as the east is from the west. He's saying the sin is gone in terms of, of what they owe God. He's like, he obliterates it. He takes care of it. It's removed. And so you wanna know if you truly have a relationship with God? John's saying in, in chapter two, verse three, he says, this is how we know that we know him. Okay, this is, this is how we know. He's like, if we keep his commands. Meaning, are you living your life right? Are you doing what's right? Are you doing life God's way? See, the people in the darkness, they do good to try to impress God and try to, to earn their way to heaven, all right, to try to do enough so, you know, my good can outweigh my bad, so I'll be, you know, morally a good person. But the people in the light, they don't do that, all right? They do good because they recognize how bad they actually are, and they've confessed that to God, and they've made, they've started the relationship, they've made it right with God, and God has saved them, and so these people get to go to heaven. See, it sounds similar, and it's kind of hard to explain. It sounds similar, but it's, it's a big, big difference. These people doing good try to earn their way. These people doing good because they love God. Last verse, John's explaining in the, in the next verse. He says, so this is how we know that, that we know him. He says, do we keep his commands? Or if we keep his commands. He's saying the one who says, I have come to know him. I have that fellowship. I have that koinonia. I got that community with him. And he says, and yet doesn't keep his commands. Again, he's like, He's a liar. It's a lie. 
and the truth's not in him either. John's saying the way that you live your life matters. It matters. And actually, the way that you live your life is a great test to the question of, do you have real faith or do you have phantom faith? Are you truly a Christian or is your relationship with God fake? It's really a question that we should all ask ourselves, right? The, the original question, how do you walk? How do you live your life? All right, does your, like what Mike talked about last week, all right, does your life produce fruit? Like, like, can you see it? Can you see a difference in your life? Like, just think about that for a second. Just, like, get real with yourself. Nah, nobody else involved, just you and you. Right, get real with yourself for a second. Do you walk in the light? Some people in here, I mean, that's not everybody in here. Some people in here, you know, maybe you're being truly honest with yourself. Maybe you're being honest with yourself for the first time in a long time. And you're like, dude, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I do walk in the light. Because I'm still holding on to these things, right? These things, I'm still holding on to these things. I'm still putting these, these things in front of God and that are, you know, and, and, and I don't really, and I just haven't cared that much. Like, it's just not that big of a deal to me. And if that's you, man, I beg you today to let go. Because what John's saying is the God that was here in the beginning, the God that created the beginning. I mean, he was the beginning. He had no beginning, all right? That God who is here before time, he's saying he who dwells in unapproachable light, light that you can't even look at because you would die. He's saying that God, that powerful, powerful God, he wants a relationship with you, a relationship that really leads to action, all right? He wants that family relationship with you, that community with you. And that's what we were designed for. But the problem is sin over here in the darkness gets in the way of that. See, the Bible tells us all we have to do is we got to confess to God, basically saying, that, hey, we need saving. We got to realize somewhere in our mind that we can't do enough good to get to heaven. And the only way we can get to heaven is by letting God take care of that. And it's really having a conversation with God where we get right with God. It's a five-minute conversation. And I beg you, if you haven't done that, if you haven't started a relationship with God, if you haven't invited God into your life, do that today. The Bible says when you do that, that means you step into the light. And God starts exposing all these little things. And you realize that there's a heck of a lot, there's a lot of things to expose. That we, and it's almost like God starts chipping away at us. God starts working on us, start changing us from the inside out. Now for the rest of you, you're thinking, you're like, well, you know, I I've started that relationship. I remember the time where I made that decision in my life, and I know that I have a real relationship with God. You know, I made that decision. There's so many things we can learn here from this letter. All right, just so many. Again, it can be a little confusing at times. But, uh, but one thing is, I think it's easy for us as Christians to be over here in the light. And I think it's easy for us even though we're in the light and even though we're walking in the light, I think it's easy for us to ignore what God is exposing in our lives. I think a lot of times we're looking at it and we're like, yeah, I know this is wrong, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna you know, put it, you know, put it somewhere else in my mind or I'm just gonna, gonna put it away or I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I just don't, we just wanna ignore it. We don't wanna think about it because it's uncomfortable sometimes. 
because it's awkward. So, you know, sometimes it's like, I don't want to tackle this issue in my life because it's going to be, you know, it's going to be too much work or whatever, for whatever reason we come up with. And a lot of times we ignore the light. We ignore what the light is exposing in our life. And by the way, let me say this. As Christians, it never stops, <laughs> which is kind of frustrating, <laughs> right? We don't ever get to the point where God stops exposing things, not in this life at least. Some of us, man, we got we to gotta recognize that and we got to start letting go of some of those things. We need to look for it. The other thing is, are you enjoying your fellowship with God? Like this action, this, this walking with God, this, this koinonia, this Greek word, right? Are you enjoying it as you're over here walking in the light? Right, it's not just with God, remember? It's also with each other. Right, the church is supposed to be a family. The church was God's idea. It's God's thing. The, going to church matters, okay? Is, that's what God tells us to do. Right, are, are you enjoying it? Church isn't supposed to be just about the message and, and the worship. And, and you come in here, you sit in your seat. I know what some of you guys do, man. I, I see it. You come in here, you sit in the same seat every week. You talk to the same three people. Then you walk out and you don't see anybody for the next week. You know, all right? Nobody wants to admit to that. Okay, all right? I know. Um, that's not what church is supposed to be. You're, you're skipping one of the most major parts, which is the fellowship part, the hanging out with each other, the being with each other, the doing life together part. It's a major part of church. See, God's saying when you're in the light, not only do you get to experience this special relationship, the church, right, with all these other people who are in the light, but again, even more important than that, you get to have this special relationship with God who's been here from the beginning who dwells in unapproachable, powerful light. That being. Saying so you also get a relationship with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, today. Lord, um, thank you for these words. Sometimes it's a little confusing. Uh, but Lord, we thank you for exposing those things in our life that shouldn't be there. That's how you make us more like you. God, we thank you for doing that. You don't necessarily have to do that. You didn't even have necessarily have to, have to save us, but you do because for some reason, I don't even know why, some reason you love us and you care for us, even though we naturally love the darkness and we naturally want to rebel against everything that you say. But God, we ask that you would help us to become more like you and help us to work on those things that you are constantly exposing in our lives. Help us to remove those. It's not easy. God, we also ask for anybody in here that might not have a relationship with you, we ask that they would take care of that today. There's no better time, there's no better day to do that than right now, today, Lord, that they would invite you into their life. And God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this really new family that you've given us yeah, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, you guys are dismissed. By the way, if there's uh, anybody who you're here for your first time, go ahead. You can take that communication card. Don't forget, out these back doors to our information center, and we got some free stuff for you there. And we'll see you guys back here next week.